as Pete was saying earlier on, the focus of our time around the Word this morning is the last verse that Wendy read, which is uh, verse 17 of Matthew uh, 3. This is my Son, or behold my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Let's pray before we begin. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you are a God who speaks. And we rejoice, Father, for the privilege that we have of being around your word now. And we entrust ourselves to you, asking that by your Spirit, that you would help us to listen to what you are saying in your word. And so may we glorify you as we respond. In Jesus' name, amen. My rugby career was short, anonymous, and very quickly forgotten. But there was one situation that happened on the rugby field that made a big difference to me. It was half-time when uh, we were playing the, uh, the school uh, from St. David's, and uh, the coach gathered us to, uh, around um, to give us instruction. Uh, coach's name was named Guts. <laughs> now, that wasn't because uh, he was full of courage, but it was fairly <laughs> evident um, and Guts did something to me at that time that made a real difference at that time and uh, continued to have an impact. He put his arm around my shoulder, and in front of the others, he said, Campbell is doing something that I want you all to do. Now, he may have said that because he was surprised that I was doing it at all, but I took that to be a, a wonderful affirmation to me that was given to me before my peers, in fact, those who were a year older than me. And that strength that he gave me through that public affirmation made a big difference. I wonder if there are others who have had affirmations that have made a difference to them. I'm guessing probably so. We're going to look at an affirmation here of a totally different nature, but an affirmation nevertheless, of God the Father, of his Son. The Father giving his seal of approval of the life of his Son and his endorsement of the Lord Jesus for his role as Savior of the world. As we look at the chapter that Wendy read, we recognize that this is the first time since the very early days of the Lord Jesus, that we see him reappear on, in the pages of this gospel. And he comes, along with the crowd, to be baptized of John the Baptist. John the Baptist's original response, or initial response, is he tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? because he recognized that his cousin, the Lord Jesus, was pure and spotless. The response of the Lord Jesus, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill righteousness. He is saying, 
Jesus is saying, we need to go through this, John, because I am fulfilling the prophecies of the Old Testament concerning me, and it's right to fulfill the right way that we go through this, because Jesus was identifying with us, with broken people, in going through the waters of baptism. Not that he needed this baptism of repentance, but to reflect that he was going into the water through death, rising again through resurrection to assure to us the life that he, that he was going to give. And so, let's just look at these words that now the Father says, This is my Son whom I love with him, I am well pleased. Jesus is baptized. The Holy Spirit comes upon the Lord Jesus in the form of a dove. And then this voice from heaven. Just imagine that setting as people in that context of baptism are hearing this voice that appears from heaven. What do we notice from this verse? We notice that it's from the Father himself. It's not an angel It's not the John the Baptist. It's not a prophet who's reappeared. It's the Father of heaven himself. And so the Father pronounces his loving acceptance of his Son. The Lord Jesus hears this, as all others hear it, but notice to whom it is addressed. It's not addressed to Jesus. It's addressed to those around, and in a sense, to the whole world. You know how in some TV shows or on the stage, when the star is to appear on the stage, the compere might announce that person and saying, now we have X who is now appearing. And so in some senses, that's what we have here. It is as the Lord, Father himself, is announcing to the world, behold, Here we have the Lord Jesus now coming publicly onto the stage of the world in order to fulfill his purposes of redemption for the fallen world. And this verse describes the relationship that they have one with the other. He is described as my son. Different from others, this heavenly affirmation was given to no other person Only Jesus, he is in that special relationship as the perfect Son of God. And the verse speaks of what characterizes that relationship. Behold my Son, whom I love. So the Father in heaven is loving his Son. We know in our human relationships what those words mean, the impact of those words, I love you. And here we have the Father saying to the Son, I love you. He's not saying, I'm happy with you, I'm content with you, I've work for you to do. Or He's not giving him some advice, he's giving this public declaration, my Son, my love is for you. And we see that this statement here defines that relationship. With him, I am well pleased. He delights in his person. 
He delights in who he is. He delights in what he's going to do. And so the Father speaks in this dramatic, public way, affirming the Lord Jesus. And so what does that mean for us? How do we understand this? Is this just a theological statement that we have to put in the box of theology? No, this is a powerful statement of encouragement and of help. First of all, we must marvel at God's grace. The Father is affirming the Son as he sends him in order that we might have life. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only Son to make a wretch his treasure. If we were to be asked to give up one of our children or a family member to die in order to bless others, how easy would that be? Hugely impossible for us to do that. And yet we see here the Father doing that for us, for you and for me. This, love, this Son whom he loves, he's giving him, he gave him for us. Do you remember what the, uh, what God did, said to Abraham in Genesis 22. Abraham called, uh, God called upon Abraham to give up his son, Jacob. This is what he said, Isaac rather. God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac whom you love, and sacrifice him on Mount Moriah. And so what happened? He took his only son, the son whom he loved, and he went to sacrifice him. But at that critical moment, what happened? There was a voice saying, no, there is a, there is a ram in the thicket. And so he took the thicket, and the ram died in the place of his son, instead of his son. But when we come to the Lord Jesus, loved by the Father, his only son, the Father gives this only Son. But there is no substitute for the Lord Jesus because He Himself becomes that substitute as He dies our death. And what is so striking about what, is, what He did there, when we look at 1 Peter 2, 4, let me read it to you. As, as you come to Him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God, and precious to him. The Lord Jesus, precious to the Father. Precious as he is, what did he do? He blessed him and gave him for you and for me. And so, the other element, the other application, the other lesson that we learned. Yes, we marvel at God's grace to us, but we also recognize that God affirms people like you and me. He says affirming things of us who believe in the Lord Jesus. He calls us his friends. He calls us ambassadors those who are chosen, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. He calls us people of God, holy, God's workmanship, forgiven. 
He calls us children of his own. How great the Father's, the love of the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. In that video there, I wonder how many affirming statements did you see there of how God views his people, of what he says about his people, broken as we are, insufficient as we are, he says, you are my children. And so he says to the Jill, the Pete, the Faith, the Elaine, the Richards of this congregation, he says, you are mine. My love is on you. You are my friend. You are my child. When Guts affirmed me, he was doing so as a teacher, a coach, to a pupil. When God in Christ affirms us, it's the all-seeing, all-powerful God, master of all, who is saying these things. And so we hear those affirmations and we take strength and encouragement from them. Even as we're thinking about this coronavirus that's, that's injecting so much fear within the population. How does this help us this morning? It's a reminder that as God looks upon us, it is with his favor if we're in Christ. Romans 8.32 He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? That's the wonder of God's grace. We have salvation, but with the Savior, we have the riches of his love that are expressed day after day after day. And so what might our need be? Is it sleep? Is it peace? Is it provision? Is it confidence in uncertainty? Then, according to the word of God, then God has provided that for us in Christ. And as we've already been reminded, what an encouragement to go out into the community with our families and proclaim the message of hope in uncertainty. Who is our rock? He is our rock. Not our health, not our economic situation. He is our rock. And so we have a message to share, a living hope, because we have a living Savior. What we see here is an expression of how the Father views the Son. And what is that view? It is with joy. It is with delight. And so, it raises the question, how are we viewing the Lord Jesus this morning? Is it with joy? Is it with delight? Or perhaps your love has grown cold. Maybe, perhaps, you're indifferent so what's the strength of this verse for us this morning? If you're in that situation, it's to come again to that first word, behold, to look, to recognize, and to see again who he is. 
when we were in Congo, I was walking along with one um, pastor, Pastor Kile, who was uh, such a, a, a wonderful preacher and um, very straight talker at times. And uh, as we were walking along, I was unconsciously doing what he said that many from the West do. Those from the West, uh, according to him, he's not the expert, but according to him, the, those from the West always used to walk with their heads down. He was saying Congolese walk with their head up. It always struck with me as a reality, perhaps in that context, but maybe as an illustration of the Christian life, how easily we walk with our heads down. We're concerned about the things immediately here. We weigh down upon us instead of, like the Congolese, having our head up and beholding the Lord Jesus. Embrace again. Receive again the wonders of what he has done for broken people like us. Naming us children. Naming us part of his family. Naming us friend. The Father endorsed, approved, affirmed the Lord Jesus. Showing his love for him. And that's the concern and that's the prayer for us all. That our eyes would be to the Lord Jesus and again know that renewing within our hearts of love for him who loved us and gave himself for us. Just one other thought about this declaration. Just recognize the timing of it. When does this happen? This happens right at the beginning of his public ministry. And so why now rather than a little bit later? It's now, in a sense, preparing the Lord Jesus with that positive affirmation of him for the rejection, for the antagonism, for the hatred that he was going to experience. Knowing that his father's eyes were upon him with favor, that would have strengthened him as he went into that ministry. And so, as the Lord blesses us with the affirmations that he gives to us, let's recognize that those affirmations are to strengthen us and to equip us and to empower us to live in the world for the glory of his name. These words, these promises that we receive, they are to give us strength and so equip us for the life of, in Christ that we are to lead and for the ministries that he's given to us. And so if I'm a son, it is that I might honor and serve my father. If he blesses me with that privilege of being an ambassador, it is in order to announce the king to others. If he designates me a saint, it's in order that I should manifest holiness that I've been given. If I'm a stranger in this world, it is that I might live differently to those round and about as I seek to live for his glory.
Eddie Jones trained the English rugby team uh, for two weeks until the game yesterday. I wonder what the reaction would have been if yesterday morning and the morning of the game he said to the team, you trained well, now you can go home. Inconceivable. That training, that equipping was in order for the game yesterday afternoon. And so it is, as God blesses us in these ways, it's in order to equip us and strengthen us to be involved in the community, to show the light that he has given to us that people would see the Lord Jesus. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We hear the Father's voice from heaven which speaks loudly and publicly of his heart of love for his Son. In a few minutes we're going to come to the Lord's table and we're going to remember the Lord Jesus. I want us also to remember that at that point, at the point of his deepest need, at the, on the cross, The Lord Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But instead of a voice from heaven, what happened? There was a deathly, dark silence from heaven as Jesus took upon himself the judgment for the sins of the world, for my sins and for your sins. There was that public voice At his baptism, at his death, there was silence. He was forsaken that we may never be forsaken, abandoned that we may never, ever, ever be abandoned. We're going to see some questions, some statements that uh, we've been invited to reflect on as we consider um, God's Word, which we trust will be a helpful stimulus to understanding um, more of what these verses mean for us.